Roots to Understanding The Legacy of Ederklun The story revealed by the excavation and the post-excavation research that followed gives a fascinating insight into activities at Ederklun. However, excavation is by its nature a destructive process, so nothing can be seen of the trackways or tours that were uncovered. Nonetheless, this excavation has left a rich and varied legacy from a number of perspectives. First of all, there is the archaeological knowledge that was created. An important part of Transport Infrastructure Ireland's role in projects like this is to engage the public in learning about the local heritage discovered during these road schemes. Ola Egan from TII explains how this is done. Disseminate the information in, ma- in many different ways, and that would be through, um, say, publication of you know very scientific articles, um, through uh, books. We have a book on the Edeclune, uh, Between the Meadows is, is the name of the book, and you know a series of lectures. Um, that we that would have been carried out over over the the period. So it's it's quite a long period between the when a planning is approved and when you uh, I suppose publish the results. So it's it's over, I would say a decade. Another interesting project came about through the Percent for Art scheme, where a percentage of the money for a road scheme is set aside to produce a piece of art. This is often inspired by heritage, as was the case for the N4 Dromodruski bypass. In collaboration with students from the local school, artist Niall Walsh engaged with site director Cathy Moore to look at the old trackways and relate them to the new road and how it impacts the local community. They come up with an art piece that is now displayed in uh, on the banks of the river at Ruski and it's called uh, the N4 Not Bypass, it's what it's called. And it can be seen there today just on the uh, yeah, on the river bank uh, before you cross the bridge. Um, so it, it's essentially it's about the impact of a local, the local community um the impact of a new road in local community and the pa- the past, which is the Tahars. So it's kind of a glass screen inbuilt into the ground and there's etchings of all uh, kind of um, an imprint of the, the Tahars or the brushwoods and that. And it's, it's um, so it kind of, it, it kind of, I would say immortalises the site. We'll always, you know, Edelklune is remembered in that way for, forever as long as that art piece is there and it, it's local people can appreciate it uh, into the future. So I think it was quite a nice, um, different aspect to people learning about their heritage. But what of the beautiful wooden artefacts that were uncovered in the excavation? They have been conserved and will be curated in the National Museum of Ireland. Of course, they and all the other discoveries are reported in the excellent publication Between the Meadows, the archaeology of Ederklun on the N4 Dromodruski bypass. The legacy of Ederklun extends beyond the site and even the locality. It has contributed so much to our understanding of the past for Irish archaeology and wetland archaeology generally. To try and understand this legacy we asked our specialists why they think Ederklun and the Ederklun excavations are so important. So Ederklun is it's important for several reasons. Um, excavations of this scale in Irish peatlands are rare. But even despite that, Ederklun doesn't really compare to anything that we've seen before. So that activity that we had at Ederklun during the Late Bronze Age and Iron Age, where we had these huge trackways built 
and maintained and repeatedly uh, replenished or, or rebuilt over many centuries. But not only that, they were interconnected. So we had sites that were running between the trackways, allowing people to move uh, between, coming from different directions, perhaps to move within the bogs, to join other routeways and perhaps those crossroads as they were forming platform areas in their own right. We've never seen anything like that in Irish peatlands and actually there's never been anything like that really excavated in any European peatlands either. So that in itself, so Ederclune, just for, for that phase of activity alone, it's something different and it's shown us a different way that people interacted with these peatlands. We've excavated and we've found uh, thousands of trackways in Irish peatlands and we know that they cross the bogs from dryland to dryland and we know that people m- built many trackways to go from the dryland out into the bog because people wanted to get out there for whatever they were doing. But we haven't seen before this uh, spaghetti junction where we've trackways coming from loads of different directions and all joining together to form this really complex network. So there was something else going on at Eder Clune. For now, it remains unique because, as I say, we only do these excavations occur infrequently and maybe it will always be unique, but it's quite possible that there are other Eder Clunes out there. We just haven't seen it before. I think Eder Clune is extremely important because it makes us question our previous assumptions about trackways. Uh, we we know of thousands of sites, platforms, trackways from other parts of Ireland, and we had our views of, of what they were for. Um, but Edercloon has has so many of them, and in in terms of the the later Bronze Age, Iron Age sites, they're piled on top of each other. So it's a it's an extremely complex site. It's almost like a museum of of sites that could be constructed in wetland areas, and they're all there at Edercloon. Um, so, the, so the complexity is extremely unusual in itself. But then on top of that, we've got the pollen evidence. And the pollen is telling us that they weren't doing widespread landscape, wide landscape clearance at this time. So it's taking place in a, an almost natural landscape, unlike other areas where you get a lot of settlement, but they've cleared it, they've turned it into farmland. So it makes us look again at why these sites were being constructed. So I think it wasn't purely functional. It wasn't simply that they needed to do something out on the bog um, because they happened to be living in the surrounding area. They were coming from some distance. They were probably living um, at a distance from the site and were, were coming to Edercloon for whatever reasons it attracted them to it. Trying to find parallels for Edercloon is a challenge because we don't have that many large Iron Age assemblages excavated. But where there are substantial sites like a Corley, uh, Clunchana, uh, Anaholti, artifacts do occur. And But in most of the, those cases, uh, the assumption has been made that it's to do with disposal. It, it, uh, however, the association of wetland deposition, we know these are periods where people would go to wet contexts and make uh, deposits of, of objects in non-functional ways. What's interesting here is that the material we're finding is organic. Uh, our museums are richly endowed with material from the Bronze Age and Iron Age that come from what we understand to be ritual contexts in wet environments, but none of those are organic. So one wonders whether we would have identified these if they weren't in association with trackways. If they'd been found in isolation, would we have realised that perhaps they had additional meaning uh, in the circumstances or our timing of their, their deposition? Um, 
So it, these small number of examples are really, really important. And the sharpness of our, our uh, focus on this in either clune has, has, has really uh, outstripped what we knew before. And it really does beg questions on some of the other assemblages and will pose new questions as we tackle new ones. I think the, the multiplicity of techniques yeah. that were used and approaches that were used on this project, it, it, that's, that's really, to me, that's really why it's special because it, it brings together all these different um, uh, research perspectives and, um, and avenues and that just illuminates different human activities at different times in the past in a really small, confined area of a landscape that was like, you know, to, to the west of either Clune, you're talking about a large open water body you know, massive lake system, you know, complexity of raised bogs in the wider environment, open, low-lying upland, but, you know, up and down, changing landscape. And then we have this pocket of organic material that we've been able to look at and investigate and really shine a light on, you know, what the communities in that area were doing, I think, at that time. That's pretty special. For Ingelisa too, one of the special things about the project was the people involved and what they brought to it. The collaboration with the other specialists. And again, I mentioned Eileen Riley, uh, the details of the beetle research, but also together in the, in the bog research from Nora and then the Jill with the pollen research, everything came together under exquisite <laughs> leadership of Cathy. Um, we worked so well together. It was just a sheer pleasure. Of course, the expertise in wetland archaeology in this country was inspired by the eminent UCD professor Barry Raftery, who excavated the famous Corlea trackways in the 1990s. Here, Cathy's description of his visits to Ederclune captures his interest in the site, as well as the passion for wetland archaeology that never left him. Professor Barry Raftery came to visit Ederclune on a number of occasions and it was an occasions of absolute joy. Barry was just delighted to be in a bog, to be seeing trackways, being exposed to talking to archaeologists and even getting his hands dirty on occasion, just having a little, a little bit of a rummage around. And Barry was there when we found the Ederclune block wheel. And that was just a really, really nice moment to have him witness something so important and so significant being found on the site that day. With such an incredible archaeological time capsule lurking below the surface of a rather ordinary field, what are the chances of another Ederclune being uncovered in the near future? For now, it remains unique because, as I say, we only do these excavations occur infrequently. And maybe it will always be unique, but it's quite possible that there are other Ederclunes out there. We just haven't seen it before. My view is we're unlikely to encounter sites like that in the future because, you know, times are changing at the moment and, you know, climate change is, is a big part of our lives at the moment and, and, and on a you know, global and a national level and climate change policies. I know on, say, um, you know, national road schemes, you know, we're, we're probably not going to be going through large tracts of bog anymore. At least we, we, we will, you know, we'll be reducing our impact on bogs and trying to preserve them. And it's all about the carbon footprint and reducing that. And that's a big part of our agenda now. So we're unlikely to, you know, to have an opportunity to excavate a, a site like that on that scale. 